0: It's week three of our adjustment series, and today we talk about planning and preparing for contingencies. Bill Walsh was one of the best ever in handling the what ifs before they happen. Rather than reacting on the fly, Walsh and his staff had the answers planned and prepared for when something might cause them to have to adjust. With the last 18 months of the pandemic forcing us into plenty of what if scenarios. You certainly have an understanding of how to approach contingency planning, and that certainly does extend to the field and having those things planned and in place as well. So let's start today on the offensive side of the ball, and in particular, I'm thinking of a team that lost their returning starter quarterback for the season. Uh, They clearly have to operate on a different plan as the backup is not nearly the passer as the starter or, or the returning starter was who's injured now. And this may be one of the biggest contingencies you need to plan for. Ideally, you have a stable of quarterbacks with the next one ready to take the reins of the offense and operate as business as usual. But I know that looking back early on in my career, I've said to my coaching staff, if we lose him, we're in trouble. But fortunately, I began to think about the what-ifs. I, uh, early on, was able to get a hold of Bill Walsh's book and saw what he was doing. And so that became part of what I would do as a coach. And I would think about how our offense would evolve if we were faced with a situation where the next player was not nearly as good as the first. And quarterback's a main one. Sometimes it's the running back. You might have to look at uh, maybe you lose a key tight end and that changes how you operate if you're an 11 or a 21 team. Whatever it is, the good part of planning for a contingency, especially when the quarterback goes down, is that the blocking schemes can stay in place, the offensive line shouldn't be effective, and those guys really don't care about what's happening behind them with the ball or who has it for that matter. So that's a great starting point. How can you keep your running game effective with a new signal caller? The Wildcat offense that Bill Snyder made popular at Kansas State gives you the answers. And even without the ability to throw the progressions that you're used to, an athlete can learn to read and end on a zone read or a counter read and give you exactly what you need in the run game to keep things going. You also have that extra hat in the game. So if the defense plays at least one high, you'll be in good shape. Of course, they should see the intentions of of running the ball on most downs, and they could jump into a cover zero for that extra hat in the run game. So things you need to plan for. Having some simple play actions with your runner would be an answer. You can force them into playing you honestly. And the routes don't have to be long. You can teach some simple reads to your new quarterback. You could run, for example, a a pin and pull type of RPO where that guy who's normally blocking the alley defender maybe is doing a quick out and you're clearing on the outside. So now that runner has the ability to throw a short pass and they have to play you a little bit more honestly than if you were just running the ball every time. I think the other opportunity is in creating extra gaps with extra blockers. So looking back on this last week of football, Minnesota used that strategy against Ohio State with a Wildcat quarterback, extra lineman in the game, and then they motioned another player in from the outside to get that extra blocker. So there's a lot of ways you can be creative with that. Where you may need to change things is in how fast you operate. So with that strategy, with not having your full passing game in your arsenal, you might want to shorten the game. So adjusting procedural tools may be in your best interest. For me, as I've said before on this adjustment series, I'd prefer the sugar huddle because it gives you the ability to use the clock. You can stay in the huddle long. But then you quickly break out and stress the defense by snapping the ball quickly. It gives you some of that effect of operating fast, the advantages of operating fast. So also begin to think about supporting personnel. So I did this uh, when I was at BW and our bigger, more physical receivers were of more value in these types of packages, even though they might not be as fast as some of our other guys. So with them blocking the majority of the time, we weren't necessarily looking for them to run a route where they're having to take the top off the defense. We're gonna utilize some of the play action and get them into voided areas of the defense when the defense over adjusts to the run. We'd also think about building into different packages. So within that Wildcat set, we had a five wide empty where we had multiple receivers who could run that jet sweep. And then we had another package that we developed that gave us kind of a combination of those two things. We had a, a bigger blocker type receiver multiple fullbacks, tight ends, and then a a jet guy along with it to complement it. And again, now we have that that combination of big and speed. And it didn't start for us on day one, but that package grew and developed into multiple personnel, multiple formation, motion, which we then would use throughout the season. I think beginning work on that right now can provide you benefits both now and down the line later in the season, Uh, Two two years ago, looking at the playoffs, I watched a team have to utilize something like that. They had lost not just their starter, but all their quarterbacks within their system. I think they lost three quarterbacks that year to injury. And they used this from the beginning of the playoffs all the way into the state semifinal and ended up just losing a close one there. Uh, But they utilized that strategy to perfection. Being perfect, really, they didn't turn the ball over. They move the ball down the field. They chewed up clock. They let the, their defense do some things for them. And they really relied on the guys up front. So thinking about this, if you do go to a situation where you need to use this, it doesn't have to be 100% this package. Maybe that next quarterback is able to operate your offense efficiently in some areas, maybe in a limited way But that provides you some advantages as well. They still have to prepare for that normal offense. They have to prepare for your wildcat offense. So don't just abandon using that next guy. Build it around what he does well and use the wildcat to take some heat off of him. I think it's something that could complement him well if he has to get into the game that it takes that stress off, that he's not making bad decisions, forcing the ball, thinking that he has to create everything, that there's other things that can help take heat off of him. Flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, we talked about a similar concept in week one, adjusting to having your best 11 on the field in case of an injury. And I had pointed to RPI defensive coordinator Jeff Dittman as an example, and where he utilized hybrid-type defenders in a three-down adjustment to his four-down package, and it helped the overall production of his defense. Sometimes you might be forced into that. Maybe you lose that stud interior lineman, and now it's left to put somebody else in the game. Is it going to be that next guy in, or is it going to be the next best guy you have to get on the field and provide you something dynamic? So again, thinking about that and how you might uh, approach some of those contingencies. I'd also consider that Wildcat team that I just mentioned. Maybe a team shows up in a Wildcat. They haven't previously shown it. Um, I, I did see it in a game that I watched this week in a high school game. The defense Uh, You know, the defense wasn't prepared for this. They stayed in their base, too high structure the, the whole game. They didn't bring that extra defender into the box, and really it gave the other team an advantage. I don't know why they didn't do that, if they didn't have it in their package, if they thought they were best operating from a too high. But the point being that I didn't feel they were prepared for that contingency where there is that extra blocker in the game, there's that extra runner. So, thinking of that, if it is a big package like Minnesota use, for example, how do you put extra bodies in in, big bodies into the game? Um, Maybe it's that goal line or short yardage package where you do that. But think about what happens if you need to operate that within the open field, normal down and distance situation. How How are you going to adjust with that package, allowing to get you better people on the field to match up with Uh, An offense maybe that's putting extra linemen in the game or bigger blockers. The other thing, how do you adjust to the extra gaps that they might create? Are you uh, fit in your, sound in your run fits? Um, Have you practiced them? And, you know, thinking of it, much of it can be done through a walkthrough. In a planned out session with funky formations. I mentioned this before, right? Giving your guys things they normally don't see in a walkthrough period. Maybe that's, uh, again, those funky formations, shifts, motions, forcing them to communicate and adjust is going to provide you some huge dividends when those situations pop up and you never know when they will. Thinking back to a podcast we had with Rob Everett a few years ago, he was the uh, defensive coordinator at the time at Bridgewater College, and he talked about using the Go Army Edge program, which is free, and they would put a projector on the wall and they would just have the offense, that virtual offense, right? Projected on the wall coming out and aligned in a line of different formations. Their guys are actually point of view facing it. So you don't have to use scout team guys for this. You could get a lot of reps. They break the huddle. You have to align and communicate, adjust to any shifts or motions. And then I thought what was really cool is with the back end of his defense, he'd give those guys laser pointers And then when he would say go, they had to point to their gap, right? And you're looking to make sure that every single gap is covered by those laser pointers and that you're sound there. And and that's something, you know, when you do see these things, that's where offenses try to take advantage of you. They try to get somebody in the wrong run fit and open up those running lanes to, to get those big plays. So moving on to special teams, right? Who's your next punter, snapper, holder? Have those guys gotten any meaningful reps in practice or in the opportunity in a game when that might arise? Do they get a shot? Right Now, obviously, you don't want to do this if the game's on the line, but do you have some breathing room or maybe you're on the wrong side of it and so you get a chance to work on things, but get them under the lights. Uh, put them into, in with your first team without notice, right? Put them into practice. Make them get those first team reps. Put pressure on them in some of those situations. So preferably when they do get under the lights, it's not their, their first time having to be in those situations. So think about when you could use them and get them into the game. Again, we're, we're thinking of all the what ifs, right? Making sure you have players ready to do that. And if it's not that guy, then who is it? You need to find them and develop them. In addition, I think there's a lot of situations that you can work on that don't come up very often over the course of the game. So, you know, at this point in the season, have you worked with your punt team being, you know, punting out of your own end zone or near your own end zone and taking a safety? What's your procedure for that? How are your guys going to do that? If you put your punt team out and you want to take a safety, you know, you want those guys blocking as long as they can, not releasing like a normal punt but staying there, trying to get a hold up on the line and letting your guy run around that back line. Preferably, I would always talk about that ball being always on the end line side and then stepping out of bounds. Those are are some things you want to work and not have come up the first time when you do it. I think if they go out and do it wrong, it's not their fault. It's your fault because you haven't practiced it. Uh, The fair catch free kick, very rare in football I've talked about it on the podcast before I'll link it in the show notes but another situation on both sides where you need to know exactly what's happening so you're you know in that situation you can if you haven't heard this one before you can fair catch the ball align your kicking team put it on a tee no rush at all and he can kick for 3 points i think it's it's useful especially as you end the half and look at those opportunities now it's it's only allowed at the high school level and in the NFL. College does not allow that. But how are you going to set up for a return on that, right? Knowing that you want that fair catch. Are you going to put some extra returners back? How are you going to handle that situation? Do your guys know not to go offsides, right? Be a little bit slower if you're kicking this one. Make sure we don't get an offsides as they're lined up. And then who's kicking that for you? Maybe you have that guy who can kick great distance but just doesn't do it well under pressure in a field goal or extra point, maybe this is his opportunity there. Again, thinking through all those situations. Uh, what's your approach when that, that team's trying to take a safety, right? To, to force them to uh, get out of bounds as fast as you can, right? Thinking of those situations as well. So have all these pl- things planned out. It's useful to sit down with your staff and just have an open what-if session, right? Put some of those things out there. What are the things that are on your coach's mind that worry them maybe about their position? Go through. Maybe it's something you haven't thought about as a head coach, but you want everybody to kind of have those plans in place, both, both for their position, for their unit, for your team as a whole, and how you're going to approach those things. So plan and prepare for those contingencies as you go throughout the season. Continue to work them. And we'll continue to discuss adjustments here at the beginning of the week on our weekly adjustment series. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.